empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. Um, yeah. I don't want to do draft grades, dude. I think draft grades are no. stupid. So, People don't know draft grades for like three, four years. So we're it, the thing is that on Twitter this morning, somebody was arguing with me about how important draft grades are. And I finally said, dude, I'm just not going to go down this rabbit hole. I was like, no, yeah. I'm not going to talk draft grades. I'm not going to do that. And then Matt Ramage hopped on too and said, dude, like three years from now, we'll see what this is all about. And the guy kept arguing and we're like, okay, dude, I'm done. <laughs> like, and then he picked a fight with me. Because there was a there was a, a video of the newest Chicago Bear guard pushing a truck, but if you listen, the truck is running, and if you watch, he's actually going downhill, but he's not picking up speed, which interests me because whenever I've pushed a vehicle after it gets going, you're almost jogging behind it, lightly touching it right. because the momentum and everything gets it going. This guy is struggling the whole time because somebody's dry got it in gear. That's right. why. That's ridiculous. And so, yeah, he's like, oh, post a video. I said, go get your fucking shine box. I said, go get your shoe shine box. <laughs> Fuck. Go argue you know, with a fucking post. So, listen, so, you can't uh, – draft grades now are ridiculous because half of these guys that were drafted over the weekend, we won't see again next year. Half of them. And 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 that that maybe we get all of our guys – if we're lucky, yeah, right? Maybe we get all of our guys if we're lucky. Maybe one other team gets all of their guys. But listen, out of the entire NFL, all seven rounds, half of those guys won't be here next year. That's that's how it goes. This is just. You know how many rookies started a game out of every single draft pick, every single undrafted free agent that was signed last year? There were 32 total rookies that started a game last year. 32. That's it. Out of 200, we, we probably had two of them. 
We probably right. had two of them with Eric Stokes and uh, uh, you know somebody else in, uh, in, uh, in on the defense. Slayton. Offensive line. Yeah, offensive line. There you go, right there, right? Did you see uh, uh, Goot? They talked about uh, Bakhtiari's uh, injury, and he was very uh, in the gray area about his injury. Uh, that's not good, Packer fan. That's not good. That's not good. We're, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time, but that's that's not good. I think our opti- optimism from last year, specifically with Bach and us expecting him to come back, and then Eldon Jenkins now, right? who has the same injury and we've heard nothing about with him in terms of where he is, is, is very concerning, which is why we went after multiple guys in the draft. I've got the list of, of picks. I got them right here. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, let's do this. First, first round, 22nd overall linebacker, Laquay Walker out of Georgia, six foot four, 240 pounds, 21 years old. Packers like these young guys. Let me Mm -hmm. tell you, I love these young guys. 40 yard dash four, five, two. He is the first off, Ball linebacker selected to the first round since 2005, A.J. Hawk. Wow. It's been a little while since we've drafted that position. It's kind of crazy, right? Because as much as we try to prioritize linebacker in the defenses that we've played under Pettin, under everybody that we've had as a defensive coordinator to to be here 17 years later, and get an off-ball linebacker is astounding to me. But again, you know, he's what I loved about this draft and this pick is every single linebacker coming off of the board, it seemed like was comparable to Devondre Campbell. Every single one of them, all of them. It was so fantastic to see that, to show what we have in Devondre Campbell. And I want you to address a little bit, Matt, because you, you made a very good point. Um, not only with Campbell, but when we were arguing a little bit here with I'm the he who shall not be named, I'm not going to give him any airtime, but the fact that um, we signed Devondre Campbell, Razul yeah. Douglas. I mean, we yeah. got a just Reed, a, Watkins, Reed, Watkins. Don't forget the entire draft class, the entire draft class. And okay. what's the difference in reaching? So picked up the option year on a couple of players because of that. I mean, it, it, all in all, some some reporter did a thing about it uh, yesterday, and all in all, it affected like 11 players. 11 guys is an entire side of the ball. Like, come on. And the guy bought a house in Vegas last year. It was a foregone conclusion. We worked it out pretty good, I think. And, and here with, with Walker specifically, I just mentioned that 32 rookies last year started for a, an NFL team last year out of all the picks. Guess what? Walker's going to probably start day one as a rookie. So that is a very. 100%. And you know who else is going to start day one? Who? The second pick from the Packers. First round, 28th overall defensive lineman, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Six foot three, 304 pounds, 24 years old, a little bit older, a little bit older. The Packers generally like to take those 21 year old guys, but he's got a 40 yard dash, 4.77. The guy is six foot three, three oh four. I I I don't think I could do a four seven seven. I don't think oh, I could. And a relative right. athletic score, He's got right? A relative He's athletic gone. score, nine point six zero. So we go back to nine point six six for Walker, nine point six zero for uh, Wyatt. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. These 
I've got a question for you. So, because I don't understand this very much, Matt, explain to me because he's projected to play three and five technique. What is the difference between a three technique and a five technique? I do not have any clue. Okay. So a three technique is a defensive lineman who typically lines up on the outside shoulder of a guard. A five technique is a defensive lineman who typically lines up on the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. So inside, outside. Which right. is what we need, right? Yeah, like our that. run defense needed a lot of help, and it has been yeah. an issue for several years. And he plugs a gaping hole in the defense. Uh, and I'm, we're going to say this over and over again: Where are you going to throw? Where are you going to run? What are you going to do? At least on defense, right? It's going to be very hard to get any type of yards or points against this defense. We'll see. And, and what's going to happen is is why it's going to be doubled, mm-hmm. and Clark will be doubled. Which means, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> Preston and Gary are going are to gonna, feed. Oh, they're going to be all alone, one on one with somebody, and half the time it's going to be a running back. I just, I, I, I feel really bad. I feel really bad for opposing quarterbacks. Not so bad. Then we get to the second round, thirty-fourth overall, wide receiver Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. That's that's only like two hours from where I am. Six foot four, 208, 22 years old, nice young 40 yard dash, 4.36 relative athletic score, 9.96. When you watch this guy's highlights, do you think to yourself, this looks like MBS with a little bit of muscle? It's not a little bit of muscle, it's a lot of bit of muscle. And what's cool about him, on top of the fact that he's already wearing the green and gold, which I thought was awesome. But I went back and saw his combine just because the highlights are there. Everybody's posting that. I went back and looked at his co- combine. He ran a 4-3-6, and he still looked like he stumbled at the start. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. It looked like it looked like he took a misstep at the beginning. Maybe yeah. that's his first step. I don't know. But it looked like he took a misstep at the beginning. I'll tell you, I'm excited for this guy. Yeah, other notables that came in the second round, Jordy Nelson, Devon Day, De, uh, uh, De- Devontae Adams. Doctor says two more operations. I'll be fine. Uh, Jordy Nelson, uh, Devontae Adams. I can't even say it, right? Randall Cobb, right? Amari Rogers. Now, listen, listen. Amari Rogers, he got himself a a a little bit of a raw deal because we all know, and we can say this, Packer Pens, and now he's gone. So we can go ahead and we can say this. Aaron Rodgers would stare down Devontae, Devontae, period. He would stare down Adams all day long. Mm-hmm. And Amari Rodgers is trying to get a feel. He's trying to get a little bit of anything. He's stuck on the worst special teams unit in the league. And it, he had a couple of bonehead plays, but plays from a rookie that you would kind of expect. You're going to have a couple of bonehead plays. You take a look at a couple of the times that Eric Stokes got beat at the beginning of the year. And you were like, you know, if he just turned his head or if he just did this, you notice that because of the repetition, he was able to make those adjustments and then get even better. Whereas Amari Rogers wasn't getting the time because quite frankly, he just, he, he, he would make a blunder and not be able to redeem himself. Uh, I think this is the year for Amari. I think Amari is going to have a great off season, him and Cobb. Rodgers will be a little bit more inept to start spreading the ball around a little bit. He has no choice. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of Amari Rodgers. And with this brand new special teams coach, I think we're going to be seeing him returning an awful lot of punts because that's what we brought Amari Rodgers in for too, was to return punts, return kicks, that sort of stuff, as well as play the slot, right? 
That's what Randall did for us. I have a feeling. So two things with, with Watson. So the first thing is, would you have taken, because I analyzed who traded up in the draft for, remember, the, the, the Saints traded up for Olave. They basically gave up. They traded up to get two picks in the first round, plus their 2023 first round to move up to the positions. And then they moved up to take Olave. So in essence, they took five of their picks between this year and last year just to get Olave. It made me feel better because the, the four wide receivers that I see in this class that are legitimate ones are Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and now in looking at Christian Watson, which we had talked about just because he was taken at 34 does not mean it's the, it's a first round pick dude without the fifth year option is basically what that is. But those are the, those are the guys that have a shot at being a legitimate one for their teams. Right. But the only person who has Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to him is Christian Watson. Let me, let me ask you a question. Okay. Are you, you know, a little bit about hockey. Yeah. Would you be a better line mate with, uh Chris Chelios on your line or you know would you score more points with Chris Chelios on your line or with Wayne Gretzky on your line well I mean that's the obvious answer right I mean and and Chelios no so so these guys that are going to the Jets and these guys that are going to the Saints that have got nothing out there throwing them the ball moving the ball the way they should I mean come on come on you got Jameson Oh, terrible. They just signed the Honey Badger today, uh, uh, the Saints. They uh, they got him uh, for their secondary. So the Saints are making some moves to try and correct. But I, I think they're still at least a year away. <clears throat> I don't think it's a good idea for them, you know, to go out and get that Chris Olave and kind of tarnish him the first. Now Chris is going to work with Winston. Maybe he'll work with Hill. Maybe he'll work here. Maybe he'll work there. I know they have a Michael Thomas problem, but... You know, a lot of these guys have now got uphill climbs with the quarterbacks that they have, whereas Watson's going to come in and immediately be able to contribute because Aaron's going to get him the ball. 100%. And look, man, I don't understand what the what the Saints were thinking. You're in total rebuild mode, and that you know that. They collected picks for that exact purpose, and then to use up all of your picks for one player, a wide receiver weapon – that everybody's praising, right? Because it's a first wide receiver. That's what everybody wanted the Packers to do. How would you as a Packer fan have walked away if we traded all of our capital for Chris Olave and the Saints did? No, no, no. I was, what did I say to you? There wasn't one NFL wide receiver in the draft worth two first round picks. If we could take our first and maybe a third or our first and a second or, you know, but we got, we got like eight or nine or 10 or 11. We got right in there to get our guy. Maybe, maybe. At the same time, I think we did pretty good. I thought we had a pretty good draft. We just solidified the defense. We made it a top five defense in the league. And now we got him Watson. We've still got a little room to move here. We got to redo Jair. We've got to redo a couple of guys. You know what? I think we got it made in the shade with lemonade right now. I don't know why other teams or other Dan Orlovsky is out there picking the Saints over us. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Let's move on. Fourth round, 92nd overall, O-lineman. Third round round now. Oh, third round. Sorry, fourth pick, third round. You're right. 92nd overall, O-line, Sean Ryan, UCLA. You know, we we talked about this. You picked Ryan 
you you were like, you got to take Ryan. I was like, but these guys from UCLA. I said, all right, all right. And I went with you. And guess what? They took him six foot That's five. That's the only one I got right. I didn't get any. Did I, I get one? I got I don't one. Think right. I, got, I don't think I got one. I don't think I got one. Right? Like, and everybody was like, oh, you don't want Devontae Wyatt? And I'm like, he's not going to be there. He won't be there at 22. He won't be there at 28. What are you nuts? Of course, I would love to have him. But I, no, I didn't. I thought he was top five, top six. Anyway, uh, we got Sean Ryan here, six foot five, 320 pounds, 23 years old. His 40-yard dash is 5.25. See, that's that's a number I think I could put up, 5.25. At 320? Uh, at, at, at the weight I'm currently at. <laughs> <laughs> His relative athletic score, 9.33. And, you know, they showed him blocking the number one edge rusher in the draft and Thibodeau. he had he had a field day with Thibodeau this is the steal of the draft I think this is one of those are you kidding me is he still on the board take that man immediately right are you kidding me that's what that is right there what I like about Ryan and this was pre-draft and the reason I felt that if he fell, he should be a priority for the Packers, which thankfully they were in, in, in sync with that was that Sean Ryan is the prototypical offensive lineman. The Packers target earlier in drafts because you want to swing tackle. He plays inside and his relative athletic score that 9.33 is at tackle, but he played more snaps at guard. So he knows how to play guard, and they're probably going to move him inside more than likely. It's going to be what I mean, Bach. Let, let's just assume that Bach is doesn't back. Doesn't he look exactly? Doesn't he look exactly like Bakhtiari though? He's got the hair and everything. It was almost like Goot was like, "Hey, is that Bakhtiari coming through the draft again? Grab him!" Yeah. Right? That's that's so, great, man. He's going to do both swing tackles. I can't believe you called it. I mean, I did not. I never even heard of Romeo Dobbs. Right? Like I, half of these guys. Afterwards, I was like, I'd never even heard of these guys. Like, what? I, you know, the, the only reason I knew about Romeo Dobbs was because of Ben on Twitter saying, "Dude, go check this guy out. He looks like a Packers pick." And I was like, "Who?" And I went in there and looked, and I was like, "You are absolutely one hundred percent right." The only thing that was kind of there was there was no official RAS score for him, but um, they had an unofficial eight point two. So. Uh, the fifth pick was fourth round, uh, 132nd overall wide receiver, uh, Romeo. And is it Dobbs? I say Dobbs. Dobbs. Okay. Out of Nevada, six foot one, 204 pounds, 22 year, years old, 40 yard dash, 4.47. Okay. <laughs> His relative athletic score is 8.26. Okay. This guy's got big hands. I mean, he is consistently, he's a deep threat. He's got punt return experience. Back-to-back, 1,000-yard receiving season. I mean, this guy, this guy, he he looks he looks like a player. He looks and, like this guy's going to contribute right away. And here's my prediction. with You mentioned Amari Rodgers at punt returns. I really think in looking into Romeo, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think he averaged almost 12 yards per return. So what they're probably going to do is use Daub's on that special teams return section and let Amari focus on being a wide receiver. I have a feeling that's what his 39, 39 returns, 11.9 yards per return, one touchdown. 
I'm not just wow. a pretty face. You, I have a memory. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're the stats guy. You're the stats guy. That's how it goes. <laughs> the number six pick, uh, fourth round, 140th overall offensive lineman, Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. This is the best part. I, I love, I'm about to read this. Ready? Six, six foot four, 304 pounds. So he's basically Devontae Wyatt, right? Mm-hmm. 23 years old is 40 yard dash 4.94. So he's fairly quick. Okay. Relative athletic score at guard 9.92 at offensive tackle 9.59 and at center 10, a fucking 10. <laughs> he's, he's Shaquille O'Neal at center is what he is, dude. He's a perfect 10. He's wow. Another dude play positions. Another yeah. player that can play multiple positions on the line. This offseason is going to be littered with competition in the offensive line. And that's really all you want for training camp, right, man? And, and offseason programs is you want to bring in people to push those other guys because what's going to happen is Yash Nyman and Runyon and all these guys now have footsteps because you know you might be delegated to the practice squad. You might not be one of those nine picked to, to make it into the season. Before, you just had to beat that one guy out. Now you've got to beat two, possibly even three guys out because he's a 37-game starter with 23 coming at left tackle and 14 <laughs> at center. After Uh-oh. starting All-American, after starting 14 games and giving up only 13 pressures at left tackle. Less than a pressure per game. Pressure, not even sack, pressure. So you talk about snaps. So when you're talking about hurries and allowing pressures, what you want to look at when you're really trying to look at what elite is, right, is one-on-one or whether they're being, you know, it's basically one-on-one. How many times is whoever they're in charge of get any type of pressure whatsoever? People look at sacks and they're looking at the flashy plays and the highlights and that. But what you're really looking at is, is this guy giving Aaron, his quarterback, in this case, it'll be Aaron Rodgers, enough time, the 2.5 seconds that he needs, 2.7 seconds to carve up a defense. Um, always be looking at, at, at pressure rates that they're allowing because you look at it on the defensive side as well. I mean, we measure, you know, you want the, the Preston Smiths, the Garys, and those guys that are rushing the passer, you want them right around 13 to 15% seems like a uh, the great number, right? Where if you're at 13% that you're giving pressure to the quarterback on the other team, then you're considered pretty much an elite pass rusher. Now, this guy in 37 games, his entire college career allowed one pressure per game. So that's if you take that per snap, we're probably talking about what? Maybe about 650 snaps that he took on the offensive line and he allowed 13. So you're talking at about three to 4% of rushes he allowed pressures on when you're talking about Thibodeau, you're talking about these, these elite guys that they're going against and he only allowed it one per game. If, if we see our offensive guard or our center or our tackle allow one pressure per game, that is yeah. to me, that's, it, it, yeah, <laughs> it's oh. unheard of, dude. Oh. I, I just, I can't believe it. And this isn't, this is, in the fourth round, fourth round, number 140 overall. Why are people complaining about the draft? I don't get it, Matt. I don't get it. It's because they 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 can't see further than three feet in front of their nose. 
Hi, I'm Amy. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I'm Alex Brown from the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. This is Alyssa from Los Angeles. All right, I'm Andy from Sheffield. This is Chris from Nova Scotia. Hey, this is Aaron Alice from Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, everybody. This is Hilmi from Turkey. I am Carla from California. G'day, this is Mel from Melbourne, Australia. This is Mick coming from Granger, Indiana. This is Soren Stortigan coming to you from Sweden. And this is Packers Without Borders. This is Packers Without Borders. Packers Without Borders. Packers Without Borders. Listen to Two Losers on Packers Without Borders. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders for some exclusive content and behind the scenes. Check out our merchandise on Public Packers Without Borders. Peace. Go Pack Go. What is going on, Packer fans? It's Alex here. Summer is here, and while that may mean no football, it also means it's time for us backyard warriors to fire up those grills and smokers. I'll be here every Monday this grilling season bringing you a new recipe and technique that'll take your game to the next level. So clean off those patios, stock up on wood, coals, or gas, and we will meet back here every Monday this summer. Go Pack Go, baby! Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten Hey guys, it's Alex, and I'm ready to talk about grilling this summer. Over the next several weeks, we're going to cover all types of barbecue. Fish, brisket, chicken, pork, ribs, I'm going to teach it all to you. Maybe you already know how to do some of those things, but chances are you're still going to learn something. It should be a lot of fun, and I'm really honored to be your coach this summer. Now let's not waste any more time, let's get into it. What's the one protein that every man or woman with a grill just has to know how to cook to earn any respect? Hot dogs? Mm-mm. Hamburgers? Probably not. No way. That's Bush League stuff. I'm talking about steak. After this segment, you will know how to take any steak and grill it to perfection. This method is a showstopper that is guaranteed to impress those that you're going to be feeding. So are you guys ready? All right, let's get started. Now, this recipe will work for any type of cut of steak you have, so it doesn't matter if it's a filet, ribeye, New York strip, etc. It's going to work. Get your steak out of the fridge first and get it onto a plate or a dish that you can use to season it that you won't make too big of a mess with. Then you're gonna get some oil. Now you can use any kind of cooking oil. I personally prefer to use avocado oil. The reason behind that is avocado oil has a really high smoking point, so it's not gonna burn anything. And the reason we're using oil is because it's gonna bind your protein so that when you add the seasoning to it, it's gonna stick nice and it's gonna let it set there really good for you. So it's two two preventatives. Prevent it from burning and prevent your seasoning from falling off. Now, with seasoning the steak, it's really easy. Even a Vikings fan could probably do it with his limited intelligence. <laughs> you only need coarse sea salt and coarse black pepper. Apply a healthy coating to each side of the steak with both of these. Take your take one of your hands and kind of pat it down to make sure that the seasoning sets on there really well. After this, you're going to get a sprig of rosemary and thyme. Now, have you ever been at a bar and you saw somebody get a mojito or something like that, and you saw the bartender smack the mint when they put it in? The reason they do that is because it makes it smell a lot more fragrant than it did before they did that. 
So you're going to take your rosemary and thyme and you're going to smack them because I have learned that it works for every herb. So smack those, lay them on your steak. Then you're going to get some garlic. You're going to peel that, get the edge of your knife and just kind of smack it, flatten the garlic, put that on top of your steak too. Now your steaks are going to sit there and let that seasoning sit for a while. We're going to let it sit there for about an hour and then it'll have time to get up to room temperature too, which is where we want it. So let's talk about grill temp and technique for a few minutes. When it comes to steak, there really isn't a temperature that's too hot. Your grill is going to be able to get up as hot as it'll go and you don't have to worry about it. So if you're using gas, you want to crank those knobs all the way up. Uh, I think your gas grills will probably get up to about 500. Um, if you're using a big green egg or a Kamado style grill, you'll be able to get your grills up to, you know, about 700 degrees. I do most of my cooking on my egg, so I will get that up to about 700 degrees. And you can also use some wood chunks. You guys that are cooking with coals, um, with steak, you're going to want to use a big, powerful wood like mesquite or hickory, something along those lines. But like I said, throw it in there, get that grill up as hot as you can. Now, when you go to look at your steaks now that the grill's hot, they should look like they're wet. And the reason that it looks like that is because that means your seasoning has set properly and it's ready. The salt that's in there is starting to pull some of the moisture out. So that means you're ready to get cooking. So when you put the steak on the grill, you're going to want to put it in the hottest part there is. Lay it down and close the lid for about two minutes. After two minutes, you're going to open the lid up and give your steak a half turn. Now, keep in mind that your your herbs and your garlic still on top of the steak. So after two minutes, just give it a half turn and then close the lid. We're going to wait about another two minutes. And the reason we're doing this is because we want those perfect grill marks to impress our guests. All right. So another two minutes has went by. Your steak's been on for four minutes total. We've turned it once right in the middle. Now we're going to flip it over. When you flip it over, you're going to notice one beautiful grill marks. Two, you got to take those herbs and that garlic and move them over to the other side now. Move them back to the top of your steak. And we're going to do the same thing. Two minutes. After two minutes, we're going to do another half flip or a half turn, I'm sorry. And that'll get the grill marks on that side. Now, after this, you're going to take a little dollop of butter and put it on top. Close your grill lid and we're going to wait about another minute. This is going to give that butter time to melt and trickle down the steak. And right now, your steak should be about a perfect medium rare. So now that your steak is done, you want to take it off and you got to let it rest. This is a huge part when it comes to cooking proteins that everybody has to do. Once your food is done, I know everybody's ready to eat. Your guests are wondering when its food's going to be done. You got to let it rest or else all the juice is going to come out and it's not going to be any good. It's going to be dried up. So let it rest for about five minutes before you actually slice into this thing. But once you do slice into it, it's going to be a perfect medium, medium rare, and you are really going to impress everybody that you're showing off to. The seasonings that are safe to use on a steak are going to be salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder. Um, some brands that have them already put together for you that you can just buy that are really good that I've used personally are um, Montreal Steak. Pit Boss has one called Chop House that's really good. And Jack Daniels has one that's called Beef Rub that's actually pretty good. Now let's talk about steak temps. If you like your steak rare, you're going to want it at about 125. If you want it medium rare, that's going to be 135 Fahrenheit. Medium's 145. Medium well, 150. 
And if somebody asks for it, well done, just ask them to leave politely. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you a trick. If you want that medium rare, here's a trick. Take your left hand, put your thumb in your palm, tuck it in there, and then wrap your four fingers around your thumb. Now, look down on your fist like you're looking at your watch. That meaty part that's sticking out of your hand right there in between your thumb and your index finger, if you push on that, the way that feels is exactly how a steak feels when it's medium rare. So that's the trick I use so that I don't have to use an instant read thermometer. But if you do got to use a thermometer, there's no shame in it. You don't want to overcook steak. It's not cheap. We're going to learn a lot together this summer, and I hope you're as excited as I am. I'll be back with you next week. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. If you try this recipe out, please send in your photos. I would love to see them. I have sent mine in so Matt can post them on Twitter and the other social media websites so that you can see what it should look like basically when you're done. Go Pack Go, baby. Hey, good looking. What you got cooking? Hi, this is Bruce Benkert. You're listening to Packers Without Borders with Bruce and Matt. Hey guys, Reed here from Seattle with the Mark Cast. You are listening to Packers Without Borders. So uh, the steak recipe from Alex, I'm telling you, that's the way. That's the way you do your steaks. I like to do them rare. I, I mean, I'm talking two, two, three minutes on one side, two, three minutes on the other side, and then that's it. And I love I love Montreal steak spice on a uh, nice strip loin I, uh, or a New York strip. You know, I, I, I tend to splurge a little bit with the steaks. I know you've got a freezer. I think you get two or three cows in there or something. I've got 80 pounds of Wagyu beef that was given to me that I cannot <laughs> off because it's a giant chunk. And there is no butcher that will cut it for me because it's not there. So, again, I'm going to have to get a bandsaw blade and cut it into chunks so I can... Just whatever comes out of every slice is what I'll defrost so I can do it. And I, I might as well just send you 40 pounds. It'll probably be like 10 grand to ship it to you. But yeah, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if you can ship meat across the border. But I'll tell you, Alex is going to be with us uh, every Wednesday, uh, May, June, July, and August through the grilling season. Uh, fantastic stuff. A uh, couple of little tricks there with the uh, quarter turns and stuff like that to get the grill marks on there and the pat of butter. I'm telling you, right off the hop. I was drooling while I, while I was listening to that. I was drooling the entire time. Great stuff. You know what I'm drooling at? The fifth round pick. Well, that's up next here. Fifth round pick, 179th overall. Kingsley. Now, how do you say this? Is this in... In, in Agbare? In, in Agbare? Is that in, it? In, yeah, I think it's in Agbare. I think you just say every single syllable and vowel. If you're listening, Kingsley, uh, come on. Uh, come on the uh, podcast and you can correct... Uh, me with the pronunciation out of south carolina six foot four 258 pounds 22 years old is 40 yard dash 4.87 relative athletic score 6.26 now he's along a powerful edge rusher 34 inch arms and a wingspan of 84 inches 
produced 14 tackles for a loss and 10 and a half sacks and four first fumble, four forced fumbles over his final two seasons. He had a serious hip injury requiring surgery before his junior season. Packers believe he can bend around the corner and set the edge. This is your Zadarius Smith replacement. This is your highlight reel. This is your yeah. highlight outside linebacker. That's who that is. And his relative athletic score, 6.26, obviously has something to do with the injury and why he fell so far where we actually were able to get him in the fifth round. It's because of his injury history. But obviously the Packers, when they had these guys in, this is one of the people that they had in for a visit. That takes care of medicals. That takes care of feeling comfortable with he, the player. We can make him a situational player. There's roles like that in the NFL where it's like, listen, I don't need you to cover somebody on third and long. You're going to go out there and run after this guy, right? Yep. You never yep. saw Zedarius out there trying to cover Kelsey. No. Of course not. Of course not. We saw Preston. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Is he still out there all alone? That I was so terrible. On I, I could run a go route on Preston Smith. I'm oh, telling you. Terrible. I, the I, guy I, gets paid to do one thing, right? And he's incredible at it. And so then you go, you know what? Let's see if he can throw the football. What are you doing? Leave him. Ah. The eighth pick, seventh round, 228th overall. Safety Tyreek Carpenter out of Georgia Tech. Six foot two, 230 pounds, 23 years old, ran a 4.4740. And they just get faster every year. Relative 30 pounds, 230 pound safety. That's a tank. That's a tank roaming around back there waiting for you to come dude. down. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. How, how much did the other guy weigh again? 258. Oh, see, he's just a Christmas dinner away from being 258, man. <laughs> You've got relative athletic score of 9.02. This Another is a safety one. linebacker hybrid with the size and athleticism to play both positions and add value on special teams. Played 52 games at Georgia Tech. Broke up 22 passes, played linebacker at the Senior Bowl, could be the core special teams player for Rich. This seemed, as I was going through this, I was a little bit concerned getting this far into the draft and not finding a safety that was coming to the team because obviously we talked about this before, wide receiver, O-line, that third safety was a critical component right now. It was, you know, safety was something we needed to address. I was so surprised it took so long. And then when I saw this dude's measurables and what he was, it was perfect timing. And we addressed a position of need in safety. This kid is a linebacker, is basically what he is. And, and he just has S. This is like so Mick, Mick, Mick Hyde, right? This guy is going to be that tweener with 230 pounds running 4.47 back there. Can you imagine getting hit by that? That would be like a truck. He's oh. going to be a strong safety, right? He's going to play strong safety over, yeah. over free safety. Oh, I bet you he's strong at 230 pounds. Oh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> the ninth pick, seventh overall, seventh round, 234th overall defensive lineman, Jonathan Ford out of Miami. Get this. This is why I said his nickname should be Buick because Ford does not make anything this big. Six foot five. 333 pounds. This is the worst part. His 40-yard dash is 5.47 at that size, and he can get up to 5.47. Now, remember, everybody sees that for a defensive tackle, and they go, oh, my God. Now, listen, he's got to go six, seven yards. That's all he's got to do. He's just got to get a little bit of a giddy-up. Now, his relative athletic score, 3.53. 
He's a mammoth defensive lineman with two gap ability at nose tackle, played 50 games, 30 starts in the ACC, only three sacks and eight tackles in his career. So what is the difference? So what is two gap? What does that mean? Two gap. Okay. Two gapping ability at nose tackle. So he can take up two gaps. Okay. This is the frame that they're using it in. So he can line up right over the center and he'll take up both a gaps. Hmm. Right. Or he'll take up the a gap and the number one gap. Or if you went to school in the South, it's the number one, a, the number one B, the number B. Okay. Over the center on the left Mm. and right side of the center in between the guards, there's these gaps. And that's what they're talking about. The gap, how many gaps? He's a two gap player. Oh, he can take up two gaps. Right. So he seems like another goal line guy, just like we took earlier in the draft as well. Just somebody that's going to plug in a gigantic hole, right? Like this this guy, this guy was probably drafted by the special teams coach and he'll be blocking for field goals and things like that. Just like Lowry was, except now they have a behemoth standing there i dare you to try and get around that man six foot five 333 pounds wrestling hulk hogan in the cage right like this guy this is it does he projects as a special teamer a guy on punt blocking duties on coverage duties that is what he's supposed to do he's going to take up some bodies to free up those faster guys to get around the edge or get down the field quickly to make sure that we can fix our special teams so then Goot says, you know what? I like a guy 6'5", but is there anybody out there taller? So with our 10th pick in the seventh round, 249th overall, offensive tackle Rasheed Walker out of Penn State, 6'6", six six, 313 pounds, 22, yard, 22 years old. He did not participate in the 40-yard dash at 6'6". Six six. Try and make him. I dare you. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Experienced left tackle, 32 career starts on the blind side of the Big Ten, had a knee injury late in the senior year that prevented pre-draft testing. Two-time all-Big Ten pick, excellent length, good feet, might have starting level potential with the right development. And we know that with Stanovich back there, man, he could take the popcorn kid out of Section 53 and make him a starting left tackle in the NFL, right? It's so the seventh he, round, and we're talking about potential oh, start in the yeah. seventh round. This is... The, this might be the guy that's going to piss off all Bears and Vikings and Lions fans for yeah. how the fuck did they find this guy in the seventh round? Oh. And remember, well, we Watson, trade back. every time, every time Watson scores a touchdown on the Vikings, we should, you know, adopt a puppy or something and send it to Minnesota. You know what I mean? Like he's just going to torch them for the next ten years. Yeah, I this draft actually, I was I, at first I was a little shocked, and then mm-hmm. I kind of saw the way they were going. And I'll tell you, it was uh, it's a pretty good draft. Our 11th pick, 7th round, 258th overall wide receiver. Now, here we go again. Samore Ture. Ture. Yep. Ture out of Nebraska. Six foot tall, 191, 24 years old. Ran a 4 4 4 40. <laughs> Relative athletic score, 6.15. Transfer led the Big Ten. In yards per catch, 19.5 in 2021, played in 48 games, 34 starts, tested well pro day, five 100-yard receiving, receiving games in 2021. Big play ability, especially with 4 4 4 40, right? 25 career touchdowns. Listen, the Packers added speed, they added size, and they added toughness 
There's nothing to complain here. We've also got a laundry list, and we'll get into this on Wednesday, of all the undrafted free agents that they brought in. And it's ridiculous. It's like 21 or, or 18 or something. It's a ridiculous yep. amount. But this is this is how it goes, right? When you start the draft, there's like 100,000 eligible players, but only, you know, 270, 280 get drafted, whatever the number is. 292. Yeah, here's what, what I want to highlight with Samori Toure or Torre is he was in an offense that this is Nebraska. Remember, this is this is corn-fed boy country, run the ball down your throat. You guys remember those old 90s Nebraska teams that would just run the ball down your throat. That hasn't changed. So the reason that he does not have these flashy stats as a wide receiver, and he transferred from Montana, right, to Nebraska to give him a chance to get drafted, obviously. But what he was was a big red zone threat. He was a big-bodied receiver for the red zone who also had speed. And and big body at 191 is not big. What I'm saying is he played bigger than what his frame was, and he was a big red zone. He was, he was a red zone target. That's what he did in Nebraska. They would pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, and then they would throw it over the top to him. But it was not these huge bomb passes. It was a lot of close to the goal line. He was the dude that was open. That's what I saw from him. I thought it was really interesting that we took him at the end. So we got our – look, how many wide receivers did we draft? Three. Just like you called it, buddy. I did say three. I mean, that was kind of obvious. We needed five. And I think we we asked four or even five to show mm-hmm. up to uh, undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you got Sean Ryan and I got uh, the amount of wide receivers. Yeah. Great. And Terrible. I think there were 14 undrafteds, right, that we signed, I believe. Something like that. 14? Yeah, so we'll, we'll Is that it? it? Don't hold me good. to the number. It was a big – it's a big number. It, it's quite a few. Mm-hmm. It's quite a few. Here it is. And Packers then, uh, signed 14 undrafted free agents following 22 NFL draft. There you go. 14 plus our nine guys, 23 new guys in camp, plus we're going to have a handful of walk-ons. I mean, the roster is going to get up to, what is it, like 90 or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. And then yeah. they whittle it all the way back down to 52. Um, 53. 53, sorry. Uh, I think that's it. That's our draft tag. Pretty good draft. I thought it was pretty good. I love the fact that I always get stumped every year. Like, what the heck? What are they doing? This is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden you go, well, now, wait a minute. Right? Mm-hmm. Some of this mm-hmm. looks pretty good. Um, no Amari Rogers hate. Can't give him the hate yet. Got to see. Listen, we got to see this kid play. We got to see this kid play. Right? Let's see what happens this year. I mean, remember... Devonte Adams, by a lot of people, was being called the drape, right? I mean, the guy, the guy had some struggles, but he works on his craft. You got to remember, Donald Driver used to tell a story where he went into camp, and the reason why he was so picked, he was picked so low on the totem pole, but he was he was able to work out with Favre so much because Favre was winging bullets and he was breaking guys' fingers in camp, catching these bullets, and and Donald was the only one that was like. He, he can break all my fingers. It doesn't matter. I'm catching every single ball, right? So it, we got to remember when you've got an elite ball thrower like Aaron Rodgers, who was kind of, you know, staring down Adams and, and, and maybe not looking the other way, you got to give this guy a little bit of chance to uh, get some redemption here. To me, I think he just needs a little bit of confidence and uh, he'll get going. I agree. Um, Oh, breaking news, breaking news. Wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended for six games 
for violating the NFL substance abuse program. Yep. How do you like that? How do you like that? Things are falling apart in Arizona, boys and girls. Kyler doesn't want to be there. Hopkins is hopped up, hopped up Hopkins. How do you get all hopped up with a name like Hopkins? I mean, that's just too easy. Hopped up Hopkins now. I wonder, what, what, like, does he have an abuse problem? Is that just No, it's normally... the injury. Remember, he's getting to that age now where they're north of 30, right, where these wide receivers that are still in their prime but towards the so, back end of their prime, which is why you don't pay a wide receiver $30 million on their second contract because they're going to hit the wrong age of 30, and there's a big drop-off with these guys or a significant drop-off probably doing some sort of, of I'm sure he's going to come out and say he did not know what he was putting into his body, which we know is bullshit, but it was something probably to help with his recovery to come back some sort of steroids or something with the issues that he's having. So it was a performance. It was performance enhancing. Here it is violating performance enhancing drug policy. Okay. So it wasn't, uh, um, cocaine or heroin or anything like that it was a it was a steroid it was a steroid of some sort wow human growth hormone or you know and and, you know i always like it when they go uh oh gosh i had no idea you know my herbalist said that it was okay to no 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 you have a doctor remember chris mikolaik who was on here he'll explain it to you you have a doctor you have team trainers you have people who personally watch what you eat and you run this stuff by the oh, way, hey, I heard I should eat this protein. No, don't do it. It's got this in it. It's got that, whatever, right? We'll find you something else. So for a guy to stand there and go, oh, gosh, I didn't know. You knew, you knew, you knew. There was a doctor on SiriusXM. Thank you to whoever it was on SiriusXM that shouted out Packers Without Borders on Yeah, air. you're awesome. You're awesome. That was crazy. Whoever you are, thank you so much. I was trying to find out where it came up. I was looking. I don't know. We just know we got a little shout out and I got a little message that we got shouted out on XM. But there was a doctor on there that was mentioning and he only worked. He works with the NFL, but he works with golfers. He works with several different things. But this is an actual doctor for for players, for professional players. And what he brought up and it kind of and the reason I'm bringing this up, it ties in directly with what we're dealing with right now with Hopkins and this obviously is a speculation, but what he says is a lot of times you have these guys that do have some sort of medical condition that requires a doctor's prescription to assist, right? Because what you're trying to do performance enhancing, and here's where the gray area is. What happens is, is your medication getting you back to level par or is it making it better than what you're normally would be without the performance? That's where it becomes performing enhancing. There are beta blockers that a lot of people have to take for hypertension, for diabetes. They're trying to take care of. The problem is that beta blockers actually serve almost like a steroid and increased performance. Just like Adderall with people, if someone's genuinely diagnosed with ADD and you require Adderall for concentration at a lower dose, what they're saying is you can take this med to get you up to normal concentration level, but then the guys start... It's still a doctor's note, but you're taking Adderall. And what Adderall does is it makes you super focused and super concentrated. And all of a sudden they take an extra step. That's when it becomes performance enhancing. So there is a possibility that a doctor prescribed something to him for a condition he has, but the NFL deemed that what he was taking did not bring him back up to level par, but make him more than what he should be at this time. So it's interesting to see what's going to come out, right? Whether it was doctor prescribed or if he was off on the side doing stuff, just trying to get healthy with his own trainers and his own staff. But who cares? That's just another team 
that's not going to be on the radar for the Packers this year with the problems with Kyler Murray. I can't wait until we get down to the nitty gritty and pick each one of these teams to see who's actually going to compete other than Tampa Bay, maybe, right? I mean, that's not a maybe. I'll say other than Tampa Bay, the Rams, and the Packers, who else do you see stepping up? And we'll talk about that later, but um, I'm going to be really interested to see how this shakes out. Absolutely, man. Episode 105 in the books. All a little done. bit delayed. I apologize. I was in Vegas for 20 years. It's all Bruce's fault. It's all Bruce and Lady Gaga's fault. Right on. Take care, buddy. Take care. You go back. Go. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go. Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego. Thank you.